Well, we're going to go to 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter number 5 this morning in your Bible, if you will. If you don't have a Bible, there should be one there in front of you, in one of those chairs in front of you, if you would like to follow along with that. But we'll be going to 1 Peter chapter number 5 this morning. Appreciate the good singing this morning. Very thankful for that. Trust you had a good Thanksgiving. Surely nobody, surely nobody ate more than they should have. Surely, surely not. Surely not. <clears throat> I've already confessed that sin, so I'm clear. I've already taken care of that, so I'm clear of all that. First Peter chapter number 5. Look down at verse number 5, and we're just going to read a few verses here. If you'll follow along, I will read. 1 Peter 5 and verse 5. Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another, and be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud, and giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Be sober, be, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion walking about, seeking whom he may devour, whom resisteth steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. But the God of all grace, who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Well, I know that we just uh, observed the most biblical holiday that there is. That's Thanksgiving, and it's... The day itself's behind us, but we're to always be thankful, aren't we? And so, because we are still in that month, I am going to try to preach to you this morning on this subject, being thankful for sustaining grace. Sustaining grace. Let's pray and we'll get going. Father, once again, I am thankful for everyone that's here, and you know the needs that are represented here, and you know the needs of those that are watching by live stream. And so, one last time, we pray for your power, your guidance by your Spirit. We pray for the fullness of the Spirit. We pray that, Lord, uh, that you would make this a sanctuary this morning, that you could freely move about and meet the needs and touch the hearts of people this morning. Lord, we're trusting you to do what we can't. We pray for clarity of thought and, Lord, just the, 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 uh, just the liberty to preach this message the way you'd have it done. Lord, do what, do what only you can do. We trust that you will, for we ask all of these things in Jesus Christ's name. Amen and amen. Thank you so much for standing for the reading of the Word of God, and please do be seated. First Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 18 says, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. So God's people are to be thankful people. 
And yet, uh, there are many times we focus on the bad things in life much more than we focus on those things which are good. Um, the Great Depression actually began in early 1929. Soon after the year began, the United States economy went into a slump. Uh, it staggered along until Black Tuesday, not to be, not to be confused with Black Friday, Stumbled along until Black Tuesday, October 29th, 1929, when the stock market crashed. And the crash of the stock market did not cause the depression. Our nation's economy was already depressed at that time. People were already out of work. They were already standing in line to buy bread. Uh, the crash merely made things quickly get much worse. And so quickly, in fact, that a group of pastors met in Boston a few days before the Thanksgiving holiday to discuss what they ought to do about their annual Thanksgiving sermons. And a few of the pastors felt that the Thanksgiving holiday should not even be mentioned uh, because of the Great Depression. And they reasoned that there's just too much suffering, that was, there was way too much anxiety to focus on the subject of, of, of gratitude. So... They thought, well, better to mention it only in passing, if at all, than to expect people who are losing their jobs and their homes and their hopes to be thankful. And the longer they discussed it, the more the sentiment prevailed until one pastor, uh, William L. Stigler, addressed the ministers that were assembled there. And he argued that it was precisely at such times of affliction and hardship that people needed to be reminded of all the things for which they can and should be thankful. We're, reminding, we're reminded that the Thanksgiving holiday that we observe now was first born out of adversity and hardship. It was attended by 53 pilgrims. There were four married women, nine teenage boys and five teenage girls, 13 young children, and 22 men. That's all that remained of the original 102 passengers who had landed at Plymouth Rock nearly a year before that time. Yet they gathered on that first Thanksgiving to express their gratitude to God for His sustaining grace. Well, what do you mean, preacher? Well, that grace that had sustained them through the harsh winter and had brought them the help from the local Indian and, and blessed them with the bountiful harvest. Sustaining grace is a grace that really we can only appreciate during the hard times. You don't need to be, well, you don't need sustaining grace when life is easy. You don't need sustaining grace when provisions are bountiful. You need sustaining grace when life is difficult. Sustaining grace is what allows the Christian to go forth when he wants to give up or give in. Sustaining grace is what we need when the cares of life leave us feeling tired. Anybody in here ever felt tired? One author, Jeff Van Bonderen, used the word tired as an acronym to describe many of uh, the people he dealt with in his Christian ministry. Um, see if you can identify with some of these. He used the word T for the word trapped. The feeling of being trapped in a condition or a circumstance that you can't get out of. Trapped in a dead-end job. Trapped in a bad marriage. Uh, overcome by some addiction. Uh, in the grip of some disease or perhaps a disability. 
uh, headed down a dead-end street to nowhere with no exit to take and no way off the highway. And they use the word I for inadequate. No matter what you do, it just doesn't seem to work. And no matter how much you give, it just doesn't seem to be enough. And no matter how hard you try, it just seems that you're doomed to fail. And you use the word are for responsible. People begin to feel responsible for, to handle every problem, to fulfill every expectation of everyone, to win every battle, to meet every need. Use the, the letter E for the word excluded. People feel that they're constantly missing out on God's best or they're left out of God's blessings or they feel alone and then they feel lonely with no one to turn to for help. Then he used the letter D for discouraged. The feeling that you just can't go on. The, the feeling that, that you can't overcome. The feeling that you are without help or without hope. But see, that's when, we, that's when we need, and that's when God gives sustaining grace. During those times in our life. That is that grace to go on in faith when we feel like giving up, when we feel like giving in, when we feel like throwing in the towel. One of, these, one of the things that we have to recognize is that God's people are not without hardship. God's people are not without pain. To think that just because we've trusted Christ as our Savior that we'll never have another problem in life is just a, it's just wrong. It's not correct. Peter addresses our need for grace in, in verse number 5. Uh, uh, Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. And in verse number 10, but the God of all grace, who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after ye have suffered a while, make ye perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. Not saving grace. We certainly all need that. Everyone needs to know that their sins have been forgiven, that they have a home reserved for heaven. And that's what saving grace does for us. It points us to a Savior who loved us and gave Himself for us and sacrificed for our sins. When we receive Jesus Christ as our Savior, we have experienced God's saving grace. But sustaining grace uh, is God's answer for burdens. It's God's answer for the battles that we go through in this life. Peter mentions God's grace in relationship to two specific areas of needs in our life. He talks about our burdens. Uh, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Casting all your care. Uh, that word care is a word that means to be pulled apart, referring to those things that cause us to be worried, those things that cause us to be anxious, those things that cause us to feel weighed down. You know, God acknowledges that, that life can sometimes weigh us down with burdens. Isn't that right? No, 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 we can feel that way. Even as children of God, the trials and troubles that come along with living in the sinful world in which we live can definitely be trying. Just because you, got, um, just because you get saved, just because you're a child of God, it, it doesn't mean that you'll not have problems in this life. Problems are going to be there. 
uh, sustaining grace does not mean that God is going to protect us from the burdens of life. Serious illnesses or accidents or disappointing circumstances or even difficult people. God's people are not without hardship. God's people are not without pain. We need to recognize that. We need His grace. We need God's sustaining grace that will keep us going even through the trials of this life, the hardships of this life. We need His grace. We also need His grace with our spiritual battles, don't we? Verse 8 says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil is a roaring lion walking about, walketh about seeking whom he may devour, whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. Peter tells us five truths here in verses 8 and 9. He tells us we have an enemy. We know that's true, the devil. He is our enemy. He hates God. He hates the people of God. And he wants to devour you. He wants to destroy you. Satan is a destroyer of lives, without a doubt. He does his best. But it also tells us that he can be resisted. In fact, truly, as a child of God, Satan is already a defeated foe. We know this for a fact, and I love the fact, that he is doomed to the lake of fire. There's going to come that day that he is finally cast into the lake of fire and brimstone forever and ever and ever and ever. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing that happen. But, but, but you can have victory over the devil in your life. Come on, it is possible by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ to have victory over the devil in your life. And one way Satan attacks our lives is through afflictions. What do you mean, preacher? Well, he calls this life to be harder than it needs to be. Come on, life is hard anyway, isn't it? But he'll cause life to be harder than it needs to be. But God's grace will strengthen us as we lean on him. On him. The word of God that we have before us is not a, it's not a pie in the sky type thing. Not at all. I love the Word of God because it deals with real life the way that we really have to live it. No, I'm saying it does not ignore the fact that our lives include both burdens and battles. They're there. That's why I get so aggravated at these these TV preachers, these prosperity preachers, that everything's just good. If you know God and if you'll send me a little money, everything will be better. Aggravates me. Because I am telling you that even with a faithful child of God, there can be burdens and there can be battles. And as the pastor, I would be ashamed to not tell you such things, to not try to prepare you for such things in your life. And the thing about it is, is even though that we will face such things in our life, we have a wonderful, gracious, merciful, loving, caring, heavenly father that is full of grace And He will help us through such times. God wants us to see that for every burden we have to carry, for every battle that we may may fight in this life, that He offers us grace to help us and to sustain us through them all. He can get us through it all. 
It's what helps us to continue when, when people don't change and problems don't go away. It helps us to keep on going and keep on going and keep on going for the Lord. See, God's people are never without God's presence. And we're never without the promise of God's help. I love verse 7. Casting all your care upon Him, for He careth for you. He careth for you. You know, I cannot honestly say that God cares about everything we may care about. I pretty much got it figured out that God does not care about my golf game. I've prayed and I've prayed. That helped a bit. That helped a bit. Uh, he doesn't care about our favorite football teams. No, I can't say that he cares about everything we may care about. Too often we worry about things that will never happen. And God doesn't think about those things at all. Not even. One preacher that's gone on to be with the Lord, Adrian Rogers, he said this, listen to this. He said, what happens when you worry? You bring tomorrow's difficulty into day, into today. Worry does not take the sorrow out of tomorrow. It takes the strength out of today. A very large percentage of what we worry about never comes to pass. We use up today's energy trying to anticipate a problem that we will never face. Casting all your care upon Him. For He careth for you. We give it to Him. Well, preacher, but what if... Oh, let me stop you there. You cannot live in what if land. It will drive you crazy. We have to just trust the Lord that He knows what is right and He knows what is good and He knows what tomorrow holds already. I'm saying that we carry burdens that God never intended for us to bear. Like what, preacher? Too many times we try to, so- we try to solve other people's problems. We try to change things that cannot be changed. And God wants us to give those burdens to Him Oh, absolutely. Pray for others. Yes, yes. But they're not our burdens to bear. We take those burdens. I'm, I'm all for encouraging people as they have their own burdens. Absolutely, we should do those things. And pray for others. Take those burdens to the Lord. Cast them upon Him. But we can't fix everybody. Somebody say amen right there. We can't. As hard as we may try, as much as we may want to, we, we just can't. We, we can't. I can say this for a fact. God always, always cares for you. He, he always cares for you. Well, preacher, you don't, know, you don't know how much I fail him. He always cares for you. But, but preacher, you just don't know what's going on in my life. He always cares for you. Always, always, our God loves us in spite of us. 
And in spite of where we are in life, He loves us. And that's why He makes His grace available to us. That we can keep going. God's promise of sustaining grace is based upon His love for us. It's not anything that we have done. It's everything He is. His promise to be our God and to care for us as His children. Come on, that means that, that, means that He cares... Come on, brain. That He cares for us means that all of His power and all of His wisdom and all of His goodness and all that He is is available to us to help us in our time of grief and our time of need. He's always there for us. He's always ready to carry us through when we can't make it on our own. He's always ready to give us the grace that we need to make it another day, to make it another hour, to make it another minute. He's always there for us. We we must learn to cast all of our care upon Him because He does care for us. And, And again, we see that God's sustaining grace is not something, but it's someone. It's Him acting on our behalf as God to to protect us and to provide for us and to preserve us when life just seems to be impossible. He's there. Always there. Always ready to help us through. He is the God of all grace. All grace. He's the God of comforting grace. He's the God of supporting grace. He's the God of helping grace. He he is the God of whatever grace you need to meet your trials while you are here on this earth. He's there for you. More than you can even understand, He's there for you. God's people are never without access to God's grace. Well, okay, preacher, fine, okay, okay, but how do we get this sustaining grace? How do we get it? Well, according to our Bible, that we must humble ourselves. No, no, I mean, that's what it says. It says in verse 5, And be clothed with humility, for God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Humility is the opposite of self-reliance. Trying to make it on our own. I'm talking about that attitude that says, I don't need anybody. I can handle this. I can handle anything that comes my way. I can just handle this on my own. That's self-reliance. Humility is... Admitting that we are inadequate without God. That we do need His help. That we, that we need Him to help us through times of trials and troubles. The people, according to the Bible, the people who get this grace are the humble, who admit that they need help, and they're willing to ask God for it. 
We must ask God for the help that we need. We must ask Him. Well, you say God always knows what we need. He does. But He wants us to be dependent upon Him. He wants us to humble ourselves enough that we admit that we need what He has to offer. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse number 16 says, Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace. Oh, I love that verse. I love the verse too. But we have to, come on, stay with me here. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy, listen, and find grace to help in time of need. I love it that we can go boldly to the, th- to the, to the throne of grace. I-, I love it. I'm thankful. I'm thankful. I'm thankful. I'm thankful. There's a child of God because I was born again by the Spirit of God in April 1984 that I can go right to God's throne. No, no, no. Anytime, any place, I can go right straight to Him to obtain what I need. That I might obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Sustaining grace is the grade that uh, the grace that God gives to help us in our time of need. And we get it by boldly going to God and telling Him we need help. Lord, I need help. I I don't see how I'm going to make it through this. I don't see how we're going to make it another day. Lord, I can't sleep. I can't eat. It's just constantly all these things. I'm full of care. I need your help. If God is our loving, caring, wonderful, gracious, merciful, forgiving, heavenly Father, and He is, He is our heavenly Father, those of us that know Christ as our Savior... As our Father, He's not going to deny us the things that we need. A good earthly father, if the child, if his child comes to him and says, "I, I would like, a, I'd like some water," well, they're going to get your dad's going to get up and give him some water. I need some food. Your dad's going to provide the food. I need some clothing. God's, uh, dad's going to provide the clothing. It's the same way with our with our heavenly Father. We go to Him and we ask for what we need, and He is more than willing to give that to us. But He wants us to be dependent upon Him. He wants us to ask. Oh, come on. It's not like he's just holding a carrot up and, and wanting us to try to get that. That's not, that's, no, 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 get that, get that picture out of your head. He, he just wants us to come to him and talk to him and ask him. He wants us to be dependent upon him because he loves us so much and he wants us to love him back. He wants us to spend time with him. When we go to Him and we ask Him for that help, when we pray to God and telling Him about our burdens and and talking to Him about our battles in life and asking for His help, He shows us mercy and gives us grace. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. We need mercy. We always need mercy. I'm thankful that His mercies are new every day. Amen. Yeah. We might need mercy because our problems are really our own fault. 
at times. Isn't that right? I mean, maybe they're a result of bad choices or maybe they're a result of, of sinful actions. But if we truly humble ourselves and ask God for the help that we need, He shows us mercy. He, he does not give us what we deserve. I'm so thankful for our wonderful Heavenly Father. He, he gives us what we do not deserve. He gives us grace. Grace is getting what you do not deserve. Mercy is not getting what we do deserve. But we're talking about sustaining grace. We're talking about whatever we may need to enable us to keep going on in faith when we feel like giving up or giving in. Lord, I need enough grace to make it another day. I need enough grace to make it another hour. I need enough grace to make it this next minute. Burdens are real, aren't they? Cares can be consuming, can't they? I mean, to the point that we don't see how we could ever make it. But we can make it with God's sustaining grace. No matter how our lives may go, Every one of us are going to have a certain amount of hardship and pain to bear through this life. I wish I could say it different, but it's true. Some may not experience what others do, but we'll all go through something. And we can just determine to suck it up or tough it out. Or we can fall apart and just go to pieces. Or we can humble ourselves before an omnipotent and merciful and loving God, admitting that we need His help and ask Him for what we need. And He will give us grace. His Word says so. And we can trust His Word. He'll give us grace. Your need this morning may be God's saving grace. Maybe you've never truly trusted Christ as your Savior. You know, He's just waiting for you to come to Him. The price was paid over 2,000 years ago by the Lord Jesus Christ as He gave His life on that cross and shed His blood for the sin of mankind. As he was laid in the tomb and laid there for three days and three nights, but rose victorious over death and hell and sin. And he offers all to, to all of mankind that saving grace. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Well, preacher, I always heard that God picks and chooses who goes to heaven and who goes to hell. The problem with that, that is you can't get it out of this Bible. No, somebody got that idea by reading some other book than this book. God's saving grace is very real and it's very available to whoever. 
And if you're here this morning and you need God's sustaining grace, it might be a good time to just come this morning at invitation time and ask Him for it. Just humble yourself before God and ask Him to give you what you need to make it through. I know that whatever need that you have, whether it's saving grace or sustaining grace, that God's able and willing if we just come to Him, if we're just willing to come to Him. Would you bow your heads with me for just a moment? Our heads are bowed, eyes are closed for a moment. No one looking around in respect of the Lord for just a moment. It could be that you're in need of God's sustaining grace. And you'd say, preacher, I'm telling you, I need some grace from God. I, I, I just, I need His help. I know that I do. And preacher, would you mind to just pray for me and pray with me about that? That I will seek God for His sustaining grace. That He will give me what I need to make it through this time in my life. Well, I'd like to pray with you like that. Would you slip up your hand wherever you're at and hold it up high for just a minute? Hold them up for just a minute. God bless your heart there. There, hold them up for just a minute. I do want to pray for you back there. God bless you over here. Thank you so very much. I appreciate your honesty so very much over here. You may put your hands down. Thank you. Thank you so much for that. Maybe you didn't raise your hand, but you need His sustaining grace. I, I want to encourage you to go to God, to talk to Him. He is there for you. Absolutely so. He'll help you through this. He'll give you the wherewithal to make it through these times. He loves you more than you understand. Maybe there's someone here this morning that would just say, Preacher, I'm not even sure that I've ever experienced God's saving grace. I'm not sure that if I died today that I would go to heaven. I'm not sure that I've ever truly been saved by God's grace. Would you please just remember me in prayer? You're here like that this morning. Our heads are bowed. Would you slip your hand up and allow me to pray for you? Would you do that? Just, just, just slip your hand up and back down. I'm not going to point you out. I'd just love to pray for you about that. God's saving grace is very real. He wants to give it to you. I guarantee you that's right. Dear Heavenly Father, we pray for those in here this morning, those that have already come to the altar and those that raise their hand, Lord, they have a need that only you can meet. And we pray for them, Lord. We, we pray for them. We pray, God, that you would prompt them to come to you, that they would talk to you, that, 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 that their hearts would be poured out to you and they would ask you for that grace that they need in this time. Father, I know you're ready to supply and I pray you'll supply abundantly. I pray you'll show yourself strong in their lives. I pray that you'll give them that peace that passes understanding and, and the strength that they need to face the day. And then, Lord, for those that do, do not know Christ as their Savior, we pray for them, Lord, that you would continue to work in their lives and hearts, that they might even come this morning and let us take a Bible and show them how they can get that settled even today. Lord, whatever the need is, I pray that people would respond according to your will. And we'll thank you for whatever is accomplished, for we ask these things. 
in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's stand. Our heads are bowed. Our eyes are closed. Some are already at the altar. You need to come this morning. Why don't you come? You raised your hand. I prayed for you. Why don't you come and just talk to God for a minute? Humble yourself in the sight of God. Just humble yourself in God's sight and ask Him for what you need to make it to make it through this trial, to make it through this trouble, to make it through the tribulation that you're in, to make it through the storm, to make it out of the valley. Ask Him for what you need, that grace, that wonderful, marvelous grace. You're here this morning. You don't know Christ as your Savior. If you would come, we have someone that would meet you down here. Be happy to take a Bible and take you aside somewhere. Show you how you could have that all settled. We'd love to do that this morning. Folks are praying. There's still plenty of time. Cole's going to sing a verse of invitation. You need to come. Why don't you come this morning?